Welcome to the Tech Post, where we cover everything that's happening in the world of technology. I'm Shawnee Ryan, and this show is brought to you by Limerick City Community Radio in association with the Limerick Post newspaper. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any technology-related questions, or if you have something that's happening in the world of tech and you'd like to be featured on the show, then please get in touch by emailing techpost at limerickpost.ie. And don't forget that this show also goes out as part of the podcasting network from the Limerick Post, so you can subscribe to the Limerick Post podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And joined once again this week by Dave the Don O'Neill. Dave, how are you keeping? I am good. How are you doing? I'm absolutely fabulous, Dave. I'm uh, heading into this festive season. It's um, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, isn't it, Dave? It is. It's uh, slowly creeping up on December 1st, right? No, yeah, I know. We're nearly there. So nearly towards the end of the year. Uh, so, Dave, the big question, the big burning question. Did you watch the toy show? No, I haven't watched the toy show since uh, Gay Byrne and Dustin. Ah, that's a long time ago, Dave. God almighty. It uh, is. The, the, the toy show is a nice, like, annual event. It's great to just sit down on the Friday evening and throw on the toy show and see what it has to offer. Um, so some people will be wondering, uh, what's this got to do with technology on the toy show? So, um, Dave, I'm not sure. Did you hear yesterday? Uh, I'm, I'm leading to the toy show on this, but um, yeah. all day yesterday, Revolut were having huge problems. Uh, so oh. I don't know. Did you hear anything about that? I didn't, and I, I do have a Revolut card, but I've never used it. All right. Okay. Well, you might be um, you might be better off in in that, according to some people. But anyway, so they were having problems all day yesterday, and the toy show had um, had kind of teamed up with or partnered with the late late toy show um, with sorry with Revolut. Um, on on Friday for the toy show for the charity donations. So you were able to make your charity donation online or by phoning a number or by um, sending the money via Revolut. And at some stage during the show, Revolut completely crashed. So people could not make their donations via Revolut. So then whenever they were putting up the the appeal for money saying um, you can now do it online or by ringing this number. So they completely cut Revolut out of the um, oh. the options on it. Now, the Late Late Toy Show did a great job. They raised over 3 million euros last night, uh, wow. which was brilliant. Um, but the technology side of it, Revolut, on, I suppose, really the wrong day to have problems. And it started like much earlier in the day and uh, they uh, they just seem to be having. I think maybe it was to do with Black Friday. Maybe maybe. So with, so you yeah. don't think it was due to the donations coming in from the late late toy show? It no, was something because, else. Yeah, the issues were happening way way earlier in the day. So right. um, and they had been sending out notifications to different people, and there was a few emails going out, and um, they were um, putting stuff up on Twitter and everything, and. Uh, different services such as uh, sign-in or um, card payments, topping up, transfers were unavailable at certain points during the day. So maybe that was to do with the level of uh, transactions because it was Black Friday. So everybody out looking for their deals. Really, wrong day of the year to have the toy show on Black Friday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah I, uh, I mean, the thing is with Black Friday, it's not one day anymore, is it? I mean, it's, it's spread out almost for the whole month. They might as well just do the the sale all year round. Yeah, at this stage, we're heading for that. We're we're heading yeah. for the fact that like, because it, it used to be like when when you, if you followed what was happening in the states where it originated, um, it was like it's the day after Thanksgiving and. They, we kind of adopted it over here in more recent years. But if you'd followed it beforehand, it was really always just one day, the Friday after Thanksgiving. And it has become now a real commercial occasion. So you have Black Friday and it starts, a lot of places started, as you said, started a month, leads on in, and then with Cyber Monday after it. So um, it has become... a 
a much bigger and longer event. But still, there are a lot of companies who will only do certain um, deals on Black Friday. Uh, or they might have other deals leading up to it. And then the big deal on Black Friday. So. Yeah. Now, there are genuine deals to be had. It's not just mm. people hiking up their prices, um, you know, a month in advance and then bringing them back down to where they were. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if that's happening. Like, And that is illegal, but mm. it, it's probably happening, right? Uh, but there places. are some good... Yeah, yeah. There are definitely some good deals to be had. Like, I mean, on Amazon, like mm. there is definitely like some products there that are half off compared to their original prices right. and stuff like that. And if you know what their prices are and you see what they're they're going for now, you know that the deal is genuine. Correct. Yeah, there is there is some deals, and I uh, I partake in Black Friday myself every year. I always look around for a few deals, and I'm always looking, and I pretty much know what the price is beforehand. So mm-hmm. um, I have. Uh, I always get a few little techie toys on Black Friday if I can, if I spot a good deal. So, right. um, so anyway, that was uh, that's uh, Revolut. Now, actually, just while we're talking about Revolut for a second, really. So, some people have asked me before. I've often like, okay, a lot of people use Revolut, and mm. a lot of people would talk to me on like, even though it's financial, it's not strictly tech. It's it, they are an online bank, really. Um, well. Just to just to clarify, there they're not actually a licensed bank here. This is where I was leading to. Right? Oh, so okay. The people, the people would ask me, "Is it safe? Is is it okay?" Right. So let's let's look at what they actually are. So mm. they have a they're they're what's called a fintech company with financial technology. Right. Yeah. So they have a banking license in Lithuania. They do. All right. And normally what would you expect with something like that is that they can passport their license to other EU countries. And they haven't done that with Ireland. Um, And they didn't with the UK up until pre-Brexit. They also have what's called, um, I think it's an e-money license, like electronic money. And they have passported that which allows them to transact in Ireland but they're not as you say a bank and because mm. they haven't passported their bank in the same like over here if you have if you have money on deposit in one of the banks and something goes wrong and the bank goes bust then your the central bank uh, deposit guarantee scheme will actually protect your money up to yeah, it's insured, yeah. up to a hundred thousand per person per institution. Um, now, if Revolut had passported their Lithuanian banking license over to us here in Ireland, then you would be covered by pretty much the same thing um, under Lithuania's banking license, right? So, but they haven't. So effectively, you aren't really protected. Right, because they're not a bank, they don't come under central bank scheme. They don't come into the financial regulations that other places do, um, because they are an electronic um, money institution. They are supposed to safeguard your money, which means that any money they get in, they're supposed to put it on deposit. And I think their the main place that they do that here in Ireland is J.P. Morgan's. Um, so they're supposed to put it on deposit, and that means that. If something goes wrong with Revolut, uh, then at least your money can be claimed back from JP Morgan. So back to what people would be asking me, is this safe? If you're doing small transactions over and back between people paying someone for your share of dinner or some a couple of quid that you might owe them for something for a night out or a holiday or something like that, and those people are taking it out into their own bank again, that, that's fine. I have heard some horror stories where places have been using it for their business and end up with a lot of money in the Revolut account. And then Revolut can kind of, I suppose, what's the word I'm looking for here? They lock, they freeze your account. And they can say that they're freezing your account based on um, suspicious activity. Now, if you were a small sole trader and you were using Revolut completely and you had, say, five, ten, twenty thousand in your account there, 
and that gets frozen and you don't have access to that for a couple of weeks, then that can put you under because you have no cash flow, right? So in that case, I would be saying, anybody who asks me about it, I would say for small transactions, for day-to-day small bits, fine. You can't use it as a savings account because they, they, they don't give you interest on it anyway. So it's pointless having it as a savings account. Don't keep large amounts in it because you're not strictly protected. And if you did get frozen out of your account, you can't go to the central bank or the financial regulator over here and complain about that because they'll say you're dealing with a private company. And if you can't get the support off them and get them to unlock your account in a timely manner, then this could have serious financial problems for you. So that's yeah. kind of, yeah. Hopefully, they, they do plan to get a license in Ireland. They, I heard that, yeah, yeah, that it's it's a part of the roadmap where they're going to yeah. get a, a, an Irish banking license, uh, yeah. not so much passport their license, but to get a proper banking license here yeah. in, in Ireland, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Now, um, but you're said, right. That said, about it's part of a roadmap, I've been hearing that this is part of a roadmap for nearly two years now, I would say. That's right, yeah. And that's a long roadmap if they haven't got it yet so so i think i think the the moral of the story is don't use it as your sole bank account because they're not a bank yeah so don't use it as if they are your bank account correct um yeah have a bank account and um put some money into your revolut account maybe for day-to-day spending as you said maybe for groceries even um maybe you want to lend a friend money like you know you know other scenarios that um could be used it could be used for yeah absolutely um but don't don't put you know all your eggs in one basket here you know that's 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 basically it until they have an actual banking license and when they have a banking license over here they'll be able to issue out with your own bank account number and their own iban and everything go a lot so you will know when that happens because they will be making mm. those changes to you. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, and mm, so well, it comes down to their rates as well. Like, I mean, are they going to be competitive with the other banks and stuff like that too? Maybe they yes. won't be. You yeah. never know. Now they have, they have made the other banks shake up their business. I agree. Yeah. Because they've been such good competition. Mm-hmm. The other banks have had to do certain things and yeah. to be more competitive for what I would consider the younger generation. Uh, yeah. They were using it more. So well, this is it. Like, I mean, like, you know, electronic payments and stuff like that. There's a few banks here that were behind the curve in that for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And two banks are pulling out of this country. Two pretty big banks are pulling out. Yeah. There's KBC. Yeah. And there's Ulster Bank. Yeah. So they're both going. Yeah. And when so they go, less competition. Less competition. Yeah. Higher rates. So, mm-hmm. like we've already seen negative interest rates, so that if you do have money on savings in a bank yeah. account, you're not earning any interest on it. They're charging yeah. you for keeping that money on file with them uh, on deposit. So that's so okay. I think, and I think with KBC, I, I don't know about Ulster Bank, but I think with KBC, they're selling their business um, to Bank of Ireland. You're so right, I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is, and yeah. they've never been, in my opinion, very competitive. So. I'm going to have to have a look at that when it, when the time comes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, Dave, let's let's move along. We spent enough time there talking about uh, Indeed. Yes. Uh, the toy show. <laughs> uh, yeah, the toy, the toy <laughs> show. <laughs> really spiraled out there, didn't it? Yeah, we did. We went off there. Um, Dave, I want to give a bit of an update. We talked there recently about um, Plex Media Servers and yeah. um, the options for cutting the cord and cable. So I just have a small update. I'll keep this fast. Um, it, I, I've been testing different devices for the Plex Media Server. So if you haven't listened back to, or if you missed a show where we talked about media servers, uh, just to recap is that the Plex Media Server is something that you can install on your own local PC or different devices come with it. Some um, NAS boxes, etc., come up with it built mm. in and you can use it as a media server if you already have movies and TV shows downloaded or do what I do where I actually connected it to a device called HD home run and I also have a um, satellite uh, card tuner card in the PC so that means I get all the serve view and free sat through it and I get live recording uh, so I can 
uh, watch different channels at the same time. And it was to me the the holy grail of all this was to get it so where I could watch TV no matter where I was in the world. Right now we haven't been going anywhere in the world in a while, but if if you're out anywhere around Ireland or abroad, I can tune in and watch live TV through my media server at home. Right, so I can see all the live channels. I can set stuff to record, and um, I can look at all my media library. So that that's kind of the quick update on Plex. So I did a bit more testing to see because I have it running on a a, a PC uh, that I've Linux installed on and put Plex on top of that. Uh, I wanted to see could I get this to work on other devices reliably. So the first one I tried was a Raspberry Pi. And uh, this was the Gen 3 of the Raspberry Pi. And yes, got Plex installed so easy, simple. Um, they have pre-made templates that you can put onto an SD card and boot up, or you can install it manually if you want. Uh, got it running, put on a few different uh, movies that I had, uh, a few HD movies, um, and a few normal SD movies and things like that. And playing them around the house, no problem streams to different devices no problem live tv not possible so well it is possible but you mm. have to set the quality of it below 360 right so no. like you can if you want to go 1080p it's buffering 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 you get a couple of seconds and you skips then a couple of seconds and it skips it just can't handle transcoding the video and serving it out to devices fast enough just can't do it um, I, I even tried it over the Ethernet, not on Wi-Fi, just tried it over wired connection. Uh, can't do it. Uh, you, It barely handles 480, but to get it re reliably working, you have to go down to 360, so the quality is crap. Uh, it's like watching TV back in 1977 again. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I also tried it on a NAS box, uh, one of these um, storage boxes, and again, uh, serving pre-recorded media, no problem. Uh, live TV, no. Uh, but I do have another option on that. I uh, know someone who has a brand new NAS box because the one I was using was about two years old. So I know someone who has a brand new one and I have to try it on that. And I report back on that and let you know how that goes because, uh, yeah. because it's... Um, it's just interesting to find out what devices and obviously the the lower the power draw from the device that you have the better so like a raspberry pi would have been perfect because they're tiny power draw on these things so uh, we'll see what happens on this nas box maybe it'll have a faster processor or be able to handle the, the live tv a lot better anyway so that's something for the future to report back on anyway right dave it looks like hell has frozen over it has it yes. has uh... so listeners anybody who's a regular listener to the show knows that i'm the apple guy and dave's the android guy i'm the mac os guy dave's the windows guy right and it has always been that way and we quite often uh, go head to head on views about different operating systems or hardware and everything and uh, provide a nice balance but it looks as though the dark side has won <laughs> dave got an apple device <laughs> it, it hasn't won okay it's just taken a little dent that's it just a little dent in me and i'm, I'm broken enough anyway so you, you'd hardly notice it the dark side dave <laughs> But yeah, okay, okay. So tell us more, Dave. Tell us. Yeah, Dave. I think I even mentioned it on the show at one point, and um, that I was thinking of getting an iPad. Okay. So now I didn't want to spend a whole lot of money on it. Um, you know, I didn't want to spend four or five hundred bucks to get a new one. So I searched online for a good refurbished model okay. of an iPad Pro nine point seven inch. So it's a two thousand sixteen device, oh. uh, a little bit old. Um, but it's capable enough and yeah. it has some nice features. And why I went for that, let's say over an iPad um, 6, which would yeah. which was a 2018 device, roughly around the same price, mm -hmm. is because there's uh, the, the iPad 6 is faster, but every other feature on the iPad Pro is better. The cameras yeah. are better. 
Yeah. The Audio. sound is better. There's yeah. four um, speakers. The sound is actually quite good mm. for a tablet. Yeah. It is actually quite good. So the reason why I got it was because, you know, um, in my line of work, it's nice to have an iOS device there for testing. Um, you know, when you're mm. doing websites and stuff like that. I, I've always only been able to test on my Android mobile phone and obviously on the desktop. So it's nice to have an iOS device there for that purpose as well. Okay. Yeah. And, and you know what? I've never had a tablet before, believe it or not. Not even an Android tablet. Oh. Um, never really felt a need to have one. But I figure, you know, why not have something I could consume media on when I'm not, you know, when I, if I want to lie in bed or whatever and watch a movie, which I don't do, but maybe I'll start doing that, oh, you know? Okay, and yeah. I figure if I'm going to get a tablet, I might as well get one, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. So that's why the iPad seemed like a good idea. All right. Okay. So tell us about your experience so far. Now that you are an iOS, well, it's not okay. iOS, it's iPad OS, but it's pretty much the it's same. same. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. It's just okay. a, a wider so, version of um, yeah. iOS, <laughs> <Exactly>. basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So my experiences so far, and I haven't used it a whole lot. I haven't really had time to dig right in deep, but I, I my experiences so far, some positive, some negative. Um, the positive, I'd say, would be I, I, I like the. The fluidity of it. Um, I, I like uh, almost the cleanliness of iOS, whereas Android lets you do more. iOS is just kind of clean and it does kind of what it should do. And, and you know, you, you do have to respect that. It's two different philosophies. Okay. And yeah, I'm, yeah. Glad that, I'm glad that both of them exist. Yeah. So I like that. But what I, becoming from using mostly Android devices, including like, even though I, I've never owned a tablet, other Android tablets that, you know, that my friends have, etc., um, and of course my daily driver phone. Uh, the lack of a, let's say, a back button at the bottom of a screen really throws me off. And some apps okay, let yeah. you go back from the top left and stuff like that. But sometimes you have to try and train yourself to remember that. But and sometimes I've seen it in in a few cases where the interface doesn't let you go back. Uh, it, it lets you go back to the previous app, but not back to let's say a different page on the current app. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm maybe I'm missing something, but to me that's I think that makes it less convenient somewhat uh, to use. Yeah, so yeah, I suppose you just have to get used to the different differences in the interface, the different approaches that's, that both um, yeah. operating systems have taken to navigation. Yeah, yeah, mm. and I, I remember um, I think a password box popped up yesterday when I was trying to sign into I think it might have been Spotify or something like that, right? I can't remember what it was, yeah. um, but I was typing in the password. It came up like a, a modal on a website would come up. It would just pop up over yeah. the rest of the content, and for some reason I was trying to get it out of the way. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. I was trying to get it like to 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 close it down or whatever, and I was clicking other parts of the screen in the hopes it would do that. But it wasn't working. And normally, like on an Android device, you could do that or whatever, like, yeah. you know. So I, I guess it is just getting used to it. But there are mm. some things like those conveniences from Android that I would love to see in a future version of iOS. And probably will at some stage. Because a lot well, of They've robbed enough over the years, haven't they? <laughs> Both sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, but they do. Like the, the best features always make their way over and back between them. They do. they do. And yeah. I know Apple are very slow on the uptake sometimes because they, yeah. they don't just look at a feature and go, yoink. They look yeah. at a feature and say, well, let's do that, but let's see if we can do it better. Yeah, yeah. They, they do. To. They do have that kind of approach to them. Yeah. And again, I, I hate to admit it, but there's, it, it does stand to them. Now, the quality control in Apple has gone down a lot over the last 10 years, but they're right. still somewhat a cut to, above. I want to come to that in a few minutes, actually, now yeah. as well. But before we, before we get that, just kind of, I suppose, just to wrap up. So hardware-wise, you're happy with the iPad? I am happy with it. I think yeah. it sounds good. Um, you yeah. know, it, it sounds good. Um, it, it seems to work very well for a tablet that's uh, five years old now. Um, it's on iOS 15. I, I got it with 14.8, but I updated it to 15. Um, It'll now it's hard to know 16. if it's going to get any further updates. I'd but say it might get 16. Yeah, you might get might. 16 out of it. Maybe. Yeah. And it is, it is a testament to think that you can get something that's five years old and still be current and happy with it and performance is okay. Because yeah. I know any iPad I've gotten, uh, like minimum five to six years daily use out of it. No problem. 
So they it, it, they do, it, and and like the build quality of Apple devices is also a cut above. Like the, their their actual structural build quality is pretty good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah and, and that's why they cost more. Simple. Because, it's true, yeah. and and this refurbed iPad that's five years old costs more than a cheap Android tablet. It, it mm. costs more. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, another thing as well. Tap to wake is that on the new iPads? Tap to wake. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Well, it's not on this. Boo. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll get used to it. <laughs> yeah. But maybe this now, after a year or two of using this, you might um, look at it and say, right, well, then I'm ready to kind of shell out for a brand new one and come up a couple of years and get one. It, it might put you into the whole idea of, yes, this is where I want to be with it. And then you might get an iPhone, and then you might get your uh, now, 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 an Apple TV and uh, home <laughs> home pod. Uh, <laughs> I'm sticking with Windows and Android. Feel the power of the dark side. <laughs> All right, okay, Dave. Um, right, we stick with Apple. We move on to small, but we will stick with Apple right. on this one now for a second, right? So, um, in the last few weeks, it came out about the Apple and the self-repair program so Apple that's right yeah self-repair self-service repair right and it's a new program to allow customers to purchase repair kits directly from apple uh, and fix their own devices without having to bring it into the genius bar or whatever it is or an authorized dealer um so it's actually it's starting in the u.s next year early 2022 so it'll go wider than after that. Um, so why is this a big deal? Well, up to now, Apple stuff has been notoriously hard to self-repair. Right? And they made it that way that they wanted you to bring stuff in to an authorized repair center. So it was done by a, a qualified person. Uh, so I think... There's been a big pushback for that uh, about the need to be able to have the choice of self-repair. And um, they've now taken this on board. And it, a lot of it could be down to environmental reasons as well, that they don't want to see machines going into landfills. They don't want it like these machines. I'll, I'll give you an example, Dave, right? So mm-hmm. the machine that I'm using right now is a 2016 MacBook Air, right? It has the latest operating system on it. It's over five years old now, and it had gotten to the stage where the battery was, I would be lucky to get an hour sometimes, maybe two hours out of the battery. And if it's still a perfectly capable machine, can do everything that I wanted to do. Um, and as I said, latest operating system, Everything is fine on it. Um, it, it. There's nothing wrong with this machine. But suddenly you couldn't trust the battery. So I could be using the machine and it could say that I had 30 or 40% battery and two minutes later it just dies. Right. So I bought a battery pack for it, a replacement battery. And it came with the, the like I, I do have one of those kits here that has all the weird heads on them, all those torque heads and all the different types of different screw heads. But this came with the actual two screwdrivers that I needed to open up the MacBook Air. And I have to say, it was such a simple process. There was something like um, eight screws that came off on the bottom of it. The bottom uh, panel came off. Uh, there was five screws I think holding in the battery and it was just connected to the main board with a little terminal uh, pull that out lifted the battery out put the new one in plugged it in put the uh, the case back on the bottom case back on screwed it together and I now have a machine that honestly I get nearly I would say a full day's work out of this I would easily get 10 to 12 hours of usage out of it now again so i now have a brand new machine to me it's as still as good as the day i bought it um it's responsive it does everything i need and i have it back running again and i don't need to put that into a landfill i don't need to scrap it yeah it would be an awful shame wouldn't it yeah but i think um these repair 
programs and a lot of repair shops that were very disgruntled with Apple, probably still are disgruntled with Apple over their um, their lack of uh, allowing them to do repairs and having to bring it directly to Apple. It's like it's screens and things like that, these little parts that Apple would not sell to third parties. Correct. They wouldn't do it. Now, uh, so I do have something to say on this particular um, self-repair program. I was watching a video the other day of a a pretty famous YouTuber who owns a repair shop in New York City. And he's pretty good. He's repaired several... I think I know the guy. I think I know the guy. He's Louis Rossman, I think his name is. yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I don't know him personally. No, obviously I know him personally. You you know of him. I've only bumped into him occasionally for a couple of years. (laughs) Fifth Avenue. (laughs) Anyway, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So what he's done, he is. He's very good at repairing boards, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And he knows his stuff. But Apple announced some sort of um, a repair scheme a few years back, I think. And what it did it was a program of some sort that you could uh, repair shops could sign up for, and they could get certain Apple parts, certain parts um, from them. The only problem is, if you signed up for it, there were some terms and conditions. Yeah. So you couldn't have contraband. So if you had other parts that Apple didn't want to sell you, like let's say one example that came up in his video was the charging port, which is something that yeah. breaks down a lot. Yeah. So if you have contraband on your property and Apple have the right to come in and search your property or search your business to see if you have contraband, you can get kicked out of the program and blacklisted and stuff like that, apparently. (sighs) So Apple, yeah. So they were very excited about it at first. And then it turned out to be kind of like more, you know, marketing more than anything else. So there's a bit of um, skepticism around this self-repair program that they've launched now, which is to, uh, to expand on the previous one. So let's hope they do it right. Let's hope they do it right and do right by the repair shops and the, mm. their consumers, their, their customers. Yeah. Ultimately. There, there was some people putting out things that there was, um, like to get parts, you had to give the serial number of the product that you were repairing to get the part. Mm. Um, and then they probably have some sort of... Um, uh, mail back return policy because I, I I know from my days when I was working with uh, as an app in an Apple authorized dealer that usually what you did was you ordered the part you got it in and then you had a certain amount of days to return the faulty part that you took out and you got it at a much reduced rate if you returned the faulty part if you didn't return it you got charged full whack so right. it, it was in your interest to return the part that you took out instead of mm. like it going into landfills so there's talks that it'll be something like that which is not very convenient because if you say say the camera or you say the charging port or the screen goes in your iphone or you need a battery for your laptop or something and you want to get it fixed you want to walk into a shop hand it to them and they say come back in three hours you don't want them to say well i'm going to take the screen off i'm going to send the serial number to apple apple are going to ship me a screen and then i'm going to put the new screen on and then i give it back to you because you're talking about at least probably four to five days uh with all that yeah so and uh, sorry and another thing was that uh, that turnaround time that you're mentioning there is is annoying the uh, repair shops as well because sometimes their customers expect it fixed there and then yeah. but they're going to be told oh you have to come back in two days i need to take the serial number order the parts from apple blah 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 they they control it like they really do control it yeah. you know so in things like this if they're going to do a repair program and they're going to help out these ind- independent repair providers they got to be able to give them stock yeah. of the most common stuff that happens and you are really talking about uh laptop batteries um, okay, the, uh, the, for desktops, you're talking about maybe a power supply, mm-hmm. maybe a graphics board. Um, and then after that, you're talking about all the different bits that go wrong in phones themselves, like the screen, the charging mm-hmm. board, the camera, which are the main things, and the batteries. So they're going to have to be able to give stock of this because people, nobody wants to say, I'm taking my phone in for repair and I'll get back in a week. And like, the people who are using the what we call illegal third party stuff they're mm. doing it for you in a day at this stage anyway so they're they are. a couple yeah. of hours even here in limerick there's places you can bring your phones into and uh, for small money they will replace the battery or the screen and you'll get it back in a few hours and in most cases it's a perfectly good repair 
Yeah, so I, I think in general, like the, the repair stores are, are getting on fine at the moment. But if they, if they want to actually partake in this thing, they just want it to be a meaningful effort on Apple's part and not just a token marketing ploy. Yeah, yeah, That's it. exactly, yeah. So we'll we'll see how that um, that goes because there are, there are issues when you when it, especially when it comes down to things like touch ID and face ID um, because you've got these things that are tied to the secure enclave chip on the on the main board um, that having the right parts that will like that they're fit fitted properly and get um, I suppose initiated properly into a repair that you're not getting a machine back that has your touch ID button not working anymore because it's just not recognized. Uh, so that th- there's mm. all those things that they have to overcome as well to make sure everything's yeah. right. Mm. Actually, speaking but, of Face ID, wasn't there a thing with um, the iPhone 13 that if you got a screen replacement, um, your Face ID would become disabled and Apple have walked that back or something? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and a very similar thing happened a couple of years ago with Touch ID as well, uh, mm. around the time of the iPhone 5s iphone 6 time um which again has gone back six seven years well that was when yeah. touch id was nearly brand new yeah. yeah yeah so um those things like the the something similar happened around that 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 time as well so and they had to roll back on that as well mm. yeah uh, right um now we we touched on this earlier on and i said i wanted to talk about it so uh i'm go- i'm gonna go on here now this is unusual for me because everybody knows that I'm the Apple guy so for me to be knocking Apple is terrible it's like you know what's happening it's a, it, it for Dave to be buying Apple devices and me complaining about Apple this is terrible what's going on uh, okay right so this where this came out of was there's there's, there's a kind of um, this guy called John Prosser I don't know if you've heard of him John Prosser he's he's this um, He's known as an Apple leaker. He's, he's become famous for leaking uh, rumors and things about dev- new devices that are coming or things that are happening within Apple and stuff. So he put out a tweet recently about the fact about problems with Apple software. And I think he has a few YouTube videos or different things he put up about um, the problems he's having with Apple software at the moment. And he's basically saying that for a company that makes such great hardware and the hardware is fabulous and we talked about this already you're you're even on board on that uh that recently their focus on software has has really they've dropped the ball and their software is becoming worse and worse and worse and the quality issues in the software so i want to kind of address this and go through it because um i suppose in some ways, as I was reading it and, and looking at what he was saying, one part of my head was saying, oh, yeah, he's damn right. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with him on this. And then another side of me was saying, you've got to take the whole ecosystem into account here. There is so many parts to everything that you have that it's like, okay, Dave, me and you have developed software in certain guises and release it. Mm-hmm. And we know it's impossible to take into account all the ways that different people are going to use this software. Absolutely. The configurations it's going to go into. And it's Im- actually impossible to test for all these scenarios before you release it. So you have to do your best knowing that when you release it, someone's going to have an issue with something that you haven't foreseen. And the, the only thing you could do is deal with it when it comes along. So this is like, and, and the software that we've, we've worked on, Dave, is, is minute and, and absolutely like, you know, a, a fraction when you compare it to the operating systems of, oh, yeah. of like, and I'm not just talking about Apple here, I'm talking about whether it's Microsoft, Google, mm-hmm. Amazon, all these different places, uh, and uh, even down to places like Tesla, because they have to make our operating system for their car. Uh, so you have to take all these into account. But I did want to go over some of the things that I've seen in, re- in the recent, in about the last year, with Apple where they really have dropped the ball on certain things. And I think it's, 
they're trying to tie their ecosystem together so tightly and so neatly that they maybe have gone a step too far. So the first one I want to talk about anyway is, um, so like, uh, okay, I'll, I'll go through what I have, right? So I have my Mac, also my iPhone. I've got my Apple TV, which is my only source of, of um, watching. It's connected to TV, but everything comes through apps on the Apple TV. I have no other box. That's the only thing that's connected. So whether it's Netflix, whether it's Plex, uh, as we mentioned earlier for my live TV, whether it's um, Prime Video or Now TV or any of the other things, any of the other apps, that all comes through the Apple TV. Um, that's connected to a HomePod for audio out because the the uh, the audio out of those HomePods are absolutely, it's, it's fabulous. It's brilliant. We talked about this before and I've read yeah. about it. They're fabulous. So, um, and then I have my um, earbuds, the uh, what you call it, the AirPods. Um, so, and of course the Apple Watch as well. So there's all these different devices and they're all there and different things are trying to predict what you want to use. For instance, certain things would happen that if I'm sitting watching something on the Apple TV, then my watch will then the display will change to be showing me what's playing on the apple tv and if i accidentally brush off the, the digital crown it changes the volume on the tv okay. my iphone screen the lock screen will show me what's playing on the apple tv and it wants to try and act kind of like a remote so i could pause the apple tv from the lock screen on my phone uh, so I can see what they're trying to do. It's trying to be predictive. But if I'm upstairs and someone's watching the Apple TV downstairs, the watch still thinks it's in the same household and it's still on the same Wi-Fi network. It's within Bluetooth range. So I do something on my watch and next thing the sound is gone on the TV downstairs or the sound goes up to full volume because I accidentally brushed off the digital crown. So somebody else is watching TV and next thing the volume just goes up or it goes down, or the, the screen pauses because of uh, an accidental push on my watch. So I'm sitting there going, ah, oh, why does it like, why does it automatically do this? Surely there's a way of stopping this. And so far I haven't been able to stop it completely. Uh, one thing I was able to stop the uh, with the AirPods, they were trying to always um, auto connect to where it thought the best audio source or the most relevant audio source source was. So I could be on a phone call and talking to someone and uh, well actually I'll go the opposite way because this actually did happen to me. I was on uh, a, an online webinar and I had my Mac playing through my headphones and over Bluetooth and my phone rang and straight away now, I wasn't going to answer the call because I'd just forgotten to put it on Do Not Disturb. Um, but I was there involved in a webinar and I was actually live, like, so we, there was the discussion going on. And next thing, my headphones automatically connected to my phone because it said, oh, you're going to take a call. So suddenly I got disconnected from this and I'm there trying to cancel the call and then having to go back and reconnect into the webinar and go, sorry, lads, I missed you there. What happened? What, what, what were you saying? Um, Luckily, I wasn't talking at the time, but it I had to disable that because if something else happened and something came on on the TV, then the AirPods would try and connect to that. Um, so now I have to manually connect them to the device I want to connect them. And that's OK. But I guess where they were going with the auto connect, but they were a bit overzealous with it. Yeah, that's kind of that. That's the one thing. And again, I don't know what testing they're doing. I don't know what scenarios they're testing this in, but it's it's just not right. Oh, they just think it's convenient, so you know. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not it's very inconvenient. Yeah. yeah, and it's probably convenient if I was the sole occupant of the house. But when you're not, you now have to take into account how other people are using devices. So somebody else can talk to. The home pod and say hey siri play music and then i'm upstairs and next thing my phone is giving me a different control to what i'm expecting it to mm. and i'm going to lead that into the other thing that they've made a complete mess of 
and this is the podcast app the podcast where you listen to your podcast the native apple podcast app i am at the point now of just ditching that and going to a third-party app because in the last year or so they have ruined that app with multiple updates and multiple changes and just how you interact with it and how you use it and it is driving me insane um the biggest problem I have with it is that I could be listening to an episode and I might be listening to an episode in a car and or I might go out for a walk and then I pause it and I come back to it and listen to the end of it and it gets to the end of the episode and instead of going on to the next episode or the next podcast in the up next queue it restarts playing the same episode again just starts the exact same episode off from the start and you're like I just listened to this. You just finished playing this episode. Why are you starting the exact same episode? Can you imagine if you're watching Netflix and you watch... Yeah, no, episode, I was thinking the same yeah, thing. Episode yeah. one of the new season. And then at the end of it, it just goes, and now episode one. You're like, no, you go to episode two. So that is a real annoyance, especially if you're like, if you're walking around a house or doing something, you have to go to the phone and just go stop. Um, now, leading on from that if you then go and say look I've listened to this I want to mark it as played already so I pause it I go in and normally in other apps I've seen this and you see it and even when you're doing things on online streaming services you can mark an episode as played and it shows that okay it's gone from your play your next next up list um, so you have to go into this one and so I so I'm in the middle of like it, it restarts the episode and I could be 30 seconds in and now instead of the menu showing me mark this as played I now have to go and mark it as unplayed so that it completely marks it as unplayed and then mark it go back into the menu again and the menu now changes to say mark played so it'll only show mark played or unplayed in one option it won't show both. So I can't do either or. So I have to go mark unplayed, which I don't want to do in the first place anyway because I just listened to it. And then I have to go back into the menu and go mark played. So that's just a real lack of attention to detail in certain things. That's um, not a lack of attention to detail. That's broken, Shawnee. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's broken. I, I, yeah. I fully agree with you on that. Fully agree. It's I broken. can't see anybody who would want that as a use case no no it's it's terrible um different things um up in i put something into my play next list and uh say for instance like there's there's an episode there's a podcast i listen to which is from the wall street wall street journal and they produce a daily episode if I'm listening to that on a daily basis and it comes into my play next feed because I'm subscribed, that's fine. But if I miss a day and I don't play it and then the following day, the current episode is in my feed, I listen to that. But I might, let's say if I didn't listen to three or four days of it, they're mm-hmm. gone. They never appear. They never come up in my play next feed again because the current day did but the three days that I missed never appear in my play next again. So I have to go and manually go looking for them to try and find and play the ones that I that I missed. So it's uh-huh. like as though it's trying to say, well, you didn't listen to it yesterday, so let's take it out of your list, even though you're subscribed. And then it never suggests it to you again. Um, <clears throat> the whole up next, play next, add to queue, all that, again, an absolute mess. It doesn't work properly. Um, I could be playing something and then I go and put something else into my play next feed and it'll say, do you want to continue listening to the current uh, episode once you've finished listening to the new play next? And I'm like, what? No, I just want to continue listening now and put that one up next, not replace it. It's absolutely all over the place. Um, And the final thing that I, I, I managed to get this to do it once haven't been able to do it since because I don't even know how it did this. But I was listening to something. And again, this goes back to the whole thing of <clears throat> the thing trying the, the different devices trying to be intelligently aware of where you want to listen to 
the audio from. So I was on my phone, I'd been listening to something, uh, I came back into the house, I paused it, I sat down, I turned on the TV and uh, not none but I was interested in. So I said, oh, I'll just finish off listening to this podcast now. So I went in and I played it and it said that it was going to play it through the HomePod and it started playing through the HomePod. And I was like, no, I don't, I, I want to listen to it on the phone because I'm going out the back garden. Um, I don't want to listen to it on the HomePod. But it started playing it on the HomePod anyway. So I then went back. It wouldn't let me control the audio anymore on screen on the iPhone. It just none of the buttons worked. It was like as though it just froze. So I then had to quit out of the podcast app, open it again. It was still playing on the HomePod. Open it again. Mm-hmm. It showed me that it was playing that episode on the HomePod uh, I couldn't get it to stop so I then said well if I can't get it to stop can I just get a different one to play in, in place of it and then I pressed play on another one and now it had one episode playing through the HomePod and one episode playing through my iPhone so it was coming out of two different audio sources at the same time and <laughs> I couldn't stop either of them Right, so it actually would not let me press the pause button to to actually stop them. So I then had to just go and turn off my phone. I rebooted my phone because it and just that went. stopped the playback in the home pod as well. Yeah, right? it just stopped everything okay. once I rebooted the phone, and then once the phone booted back up again. So I was like, yeah. "Now that is that's broken. That's absolutely it. It the things were trying to be too intelligent." And they messed it all up. Totally. See, the thing is, how intelligent can they be? Because at the end of the day, it's like asking another person, another intelligent being, what you want. Yeah. They're not going to know what you want. Yeah, not a hope. Not a hope. You know what I mean? So So they can't read your mind. So like how, so why would Apple assume that, oh, just because you you come in contact with a HomePod for like a few seconds that you're going to want to play whatever you're listening to on your phone, you want it to just jump over and play from the HomePod. Mm. I mean, that's just silly. Yeah. Now, there, like, there is a lovely feature that if, you, if I do walk in and I listen to music or if I'm on a phone call, I can bring my phone close to the HomePod and once mm-hmm. I put it like it there, because there is the U1 chip, which it detects how far away it is. Once I get right beside it and kind of right, it kind of starts vibrating in your hand as you get nearer to it. And once mm-hmm. you get in with a couple of inches of it, it transfers the audio to that device. But that's you're, you're actually kind of signaling that you wanted to do that. Yeah, you're you are. bringing yeah. it over to it and saying, here, phone, here's the HomePod. And the phone transfers the audio over to it and uses that as its audio, um, yeah. which is great. But just because I was sitting down and I just turned on the TV, then suddenly it was like, oh, I'm going to play it here. And it was bonkers. Um, so there, there is a, there's a load of other things that happen like that. And it's all around the focus of what's playing and what device is showing us playing and trying to take control of actually the phone again to actually play what I want on the phone and not have what's playing on the TV being controlled by my phone. There's loads of other things that have really gone wrong. But Mm. the only thing I can say to it is, say about it is, yes, certain things are broken. Um, They weren't broken before this. They are broken now. They need attention. But I do understand that it's when you've got so many devices that you make, so many operating systems and so many features in the ecosystem, it's hard to get it all working. I understand it like to a point as well, because sometimes we kind of go crazy with things, um, yeah. you know, as developers and we think, oh, yeah, we can do this, we can do that. And, but after a while, you think about it and you're probably thinking, well, why should we do this? No, 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 no. You got to walk things back a bit and try and, and, and find the more simpler solution that people would be more amenable to. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, and most people, that's the mindset. Yeah. yeah. Most people want things to just work mm. and putting in features for the sake of features is not what people need. They, they, people are happy with the basics as long as the basics work. And if you're going to bring in a feature, make sure it doesn't break other features. You don't want it to yeah. take away things. That's it. Right, Dave, That's let's it. do, we've, we've, we've kind of done a bit of a, the, the, I feel that was, um, was bringing us down. 
<laughs> oh, right. and, and just after you getting so happy with your new Apple device as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's let's go upbeat with a little bit of uh, general news anyway. Um, well, it's not all upbeat, but uh, let's let, let's go, go for uh, a general news roundup anyway uh, before we finish up here for a day, Dave. Sure. Uh, so uh, great news is that local company here in Limerick, Action Point, have um, acquired, they've made another acquisition and uh, the Dublin-based ICT project management, um, uh, they have been uh, bought by, uh, acquired by Action Point. Uh, so that's brilliant for another uh, another feather in their bow in, um, I suppose, the digital services area. Um, and uh, it's great to see Action Point going from strength to strength. And, um, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, after this acquisition, combined revenues um, of Action Point Group are in excess of 16 million, which is brilliant. And they're going to be announcing more than a dozen jobs to be created over the next 18 to 24 months. So nice. it's brilliant. So that is great news for Limerick anyway. Uh, Action Point obviously have offices all around the, the, um, the country, but uh, great to see that a Limerick company is doing so well. So, um, right, that's, uh, that's a bit of local news. Um, yeah, as I said, it's not all upbeat. Um, <laughs> this one here, Dave, um, this, we're back into your, your uh, sector here. Um, oh, boy. Nine million Android devices infected with a new Trojan from Huawei's App Store. So we've, oh. talked, we've talked about Huawei a couple of times here. Um, yeah. About, um, you know, they're trouble with Donald Trump or trouble with the US or the whole thing of the 5G cell towers and things like that. So yeah. um, their app store, um, there was um, over 9 million downloads of um, different games or apps from their from their app, app store that uh, have been infected with uh, malware and um, doing various um nefarious things, sending premium SMS messages, um, downloading other uh, malware content, so it's injecting ads into your normal apps, making phone calls without permission, uploading all your contacts, etc., from the phone. So it's, um, yeah, it's a pretty serious one. So if you are a user of the Huawei app gallery, then I would be advising you to get some antivirus software on your machine pretty fast and have a look at that. Um, another one actually going, speaking, keep, keeping on the Android thing. Um, <clears throat> I think it's, uh, this, is, this is a problem with an audio processor made by a company called MediaTek. And that audio processor is in use in nearly 40% of the world's smartphones. And apparently, um, so uh, uh, Xiaomi, Apple, Realme, Vivo, different uh, phones like that use this Realtek uh, processor, audio processor. And mm. apparently there's a flaw in that that could uh, lead to attackers, um, uh, hackers eavesdropping on your calls. So um, I don't think there's a fix out for that, but uh, it's probably worth checking to see if you have a... MediaTek audio processor in your phone and see maybe there is um, vulnerabilities that could be um, fixed with different firmware. So, hopefully. Hopefully yeah. it can be fixed in software, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, so that's uh, um, Android. Um, well, I've got one that's kind of um, in the same um, ballpark there. Um, the OnePlus Nord 2, uh, which is a fairly new phone, um, one of the OnePlus's more budget-oriented smartphones, has a vulnerability that grants root shell access within minutes on a locked bootloader Ooh. without any kind of data wipe. Normally, when you unlock a bootloader in an Android phone, it's a mandatory data wipe for security yeah. reasons. Oh. So that's a big vulnerability right there. Hopefully that gets patched pretty damn soon. And if you have a OnePlus Nord 2, yeah. be careful. Yeah, and keep an eye out for any updates that might come down the line for it. So Dave, yeah. another week, um, we're done. And um, uh, we, might, uh, we might squeeze another show in before Christmas and uh, wrap up what happened in 2021 and what we're looking forward to in 2022. Another year done, Dave, nearly. Mm, absolutely yeah okay we wrap it up there Dave thanks again for another great chat about the world of technology and what's happening no problem and, uh, should we catch up again soon alright thanks look.
Thanks for joining us here on Limerick City Community Radio 99.9 FM across Limerick City and County with thanks to our friends from Wired FM. FUBAR is sponsored by the Limerick Post newspaper and the theme music is kindly supplied by Dylan Flynn and the Dead Poets and you can find their great music on Spotify or on Apple Music. We'll be back again in two weeks' time. Bye-bye.